This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Squared Co. Podcast. I am your host, Mark Morris, and Mr. Jared Maruyama is joining me again. Energy level is very good, Mark. A plus. A plus. (laughs) It can only go down from here. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that because I notice when I'm editing this that the intro, I'm always like super high, talking fast Mm -hmm. and full of energy, and by like the five minute mark it's like Like, slow motion and i'm stuttering and saying um all the time it's like an alcoholic yeah you're like slurring your words and stumbling (laughs) over the simplest of phrases Uh, it's good times oh yep it's uh clearly i should be running uh and hosting a podcast yep definitely um okay so but anyways we are here today to share a new episode Our guest this episode is Levi Pruitt. He's a young artist, and he's already got a ridiculous following. I'm super, super, I don't know the word, not surprised, but like, it's crazy the amount of impact he's had in this art community. Yes, he has a a big following. In such a short amount of time. Don't say he has a ridiculous following. That sounds like you're you're (laughs) putting his followers down. Ridiculously big. Yes, ridiculously big following. Yeah, no, he was a great guy. I... I am familiar with his work from what I've seen on Instagram. I, I, I've never talked to him before we had this interview. He is adorable. Uh, just a, a really <laughs> nice guy. And um, yeah, I, I was I enjoyed this conversation quite a bit. So we actually, Squared Co., we had him uh, as a part of the Princess Bride show, which mm-hmm. we talk about in the interview. Um, but I hadn't really gotten a chance to know him or speak to him other than a few really brief email exchanges So it was really fun for me to be able to get to know him a little bit better uh, because, you know, I work with a lot of artists and a lot of times it's just really brief interactions. But this was really cool to actually sit down and get to know him a lot better. So we are going to start the Levi interview pretty soon. But before we do, I want to bring up a few items that are coming up here shortly Um, for Squared Co. We do have our next gallery show. So this will be the very first Squared Co. event and gallery show of 2018. Uh, it's going to be around Valentine's Day, and it is called Cute Couples. So we will be celebrating all of the different couples in pop culture. Uh, we do talk about it a little bit in this episode because Levi is going to be a contributing artist for the mm-hmm. show. But this is going to be in Costa Mesa at Doe and Arrow, the cookie store, Um, It'll be up February 10th, I think through the end of the month. So it'll be up for at least two weeks. If you follow us on all the social media, we'll be blasting this show all the time. So you'll be able to see the dates and the show run times there. Jared, I invited you to be a part of this show. Are you going to actually contribute a piece? Of course. (laughs) Of course, I'm going to contribute a piece. Yes. I don't know how many, at least one. (laughs) <laughs> I I invited myself to the show as well, but I don't know if I'll be able to actually contribute a piece. Really? In time. Uh, too- I, I have I have ideas, but I've yet to actually put pen to paper or and actually start sketching it out. So we'll see what happens. 
wasting uh, all that time going to the movies could be better spent in, in other other places. But for the people that can't make it to uh, this show, to the cute couple show, uh, and you're on the other side of the country, uh, I'll be at the uh, Epcot Festival of the Arts, Epcot International Festival of the Arts. Let me make sure I say that correctly. February 9th <laughs> through the 13th, um, I'll be at the festival during the day, and I'll also be doing some Wonderground signings in Disney Springs there. I'll have three new pieces, and by the time this airs, they'll already be posted on my website. So uh, I plan on bugging you all with this information right up until the day of the show. So apologies. You you now. did this uh, last year as well, right? Yes, last year was the first year, uh, and they're doing it again this year. So I'm excited to be back, and, and even more excited to go to Pandora. But we'll talk about that oh, another yeah. time. Oh, yeah. That'll be awesome. I'm ah, Now I'm bummed I'm not going there, yeah. too. Um <laughs> What, uh, how many pieces, do you have new new artwork and new prints coming up that's going to be released? Yeah, I'll have, out there? Uh, like I said, I'll have three new pieces um, and I'm sharing those on my site so you can go to my site and uh, check those out. They'll be on all my social media. So, all right, before we jump into the episode with Levi, there's another artist that we've had on the show a few times, uh, Dave Pryor, that I want to give a little shout out to. He's got a couple shows coming up where he's contributing different pieces uh, Gallery 1988 is having a fake theme parks show that he has a piece in. Um, I think he did something from the vacation movies, they, a piece on Wally World, which is Very the cool. theme park from that. And then at Gallery Nucleus, there is a Shape of Water show that he has a piece in. So I think um, it's we'll, a it's a Guillermo del Toro show, isn't it? Oh, is it? I, think I wasn't so. sure. I I think oh, I may have just dropped the ball and ruined the surprise, but I think he's doing a <laughs> Shape of Water piece for that show. Um, but yeah, so if you aren't already following eighty eight and Nucleus online or Dave Pryor's work, uh, definitely go check out those shows, and we will be posting a lot of this stuff on all of our social media. So be sure to follow us. At Squared Co. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, but now I think we've blabbed enough yes. for an intro here. Let's get into the episode with Levi Pruitt. Enjoy. Welcome to the Squared Co. Podcast, Mr. Levi Pruitt. Welcome to the show. Hooray. Hey. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, dude. <clears throat> so I know that, or I know this, I'm sure there's a few listeners that also know this, but you have done a few, actually so far it's just been one project with Squared Co. where you were part of our Princess Bride Gallery, yep. um, which was, I can't believe that was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. It feels like wow. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, yeah, I didn't even realize. And I that think either. for I think for that show, you were one of, if not the only person to send original artwork. Really, um, a lot oh. of people did like digital digital prints. Um, that we we just had the digital stuff, but yeah, yours was one of the only traditional pieces that was up there. That's and cool. I think it actually it actually sold on the opening night, which was cool. Oh, that's dope. Man, I would have loved to be there. That would have been real cool. Where, what part of uh, the world do you come from? <laughs> come, I'm in the, <laughs> I'm in uh, the Bay Area near San Francisco. I'm in a little wart, oh, okay, wart on the Bay Area called Hayward. 
That's where I live. <laughs> uh, now, did you grow up in Hayward or are you from somewhere else? Well, I, I, when I was a kid, I lived in Minnesota, moved to the Bay Area oh. when I was 10. But ever since mm-hmm. then, yeah. What part of Minnesota do you come from? Uh, Hutchinson. It's, it's about a half hour from the Twin Cities. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's one of the, it's funny because I have a lot of friends in Minnesota. So that's a, one of the states in the middle that I kind of know. Nice. Well, I should just say that I've been to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you do you still have family there? Do you go back? I do. At this point, it's kind of a state that I kind of know. I'm, I'm about to go mm-hmm. for the first time in like six years, uh, in like a week. So we'll see if they still accept me, you know? <laughs> oh, should be nice and cold for you there. Yeah, basically. I guess since I brought it up, we'll start here and then jump around. But for your Princess Bride piece, it was cool you did, a, like I said, a traditional piece, but you also kind of experiment with printing, and you have a, you still have a Rizzograph printer? Well, that's a, a long, sad story. It actually <laughs> recently <laughs> broke. <laughs> uh, oh, no. I know, so I'm trying to get it fixed right now. Um, I wanted to do a print run for the next show that I'm a part of. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. I'll be able to, but... That's the problem is risographs are it's such a an ancient piece of technology that yeah, finding someone to fix it is tricky. I'm a print kind of a print geek mm-hmm. uh, and I love risograph printing. I think it's really cool. Me too. How did you get into like how did this come across your plate and like become part of your world? Well, I I had done screen printing before. I never owned a setup or anything like that, but um, I was always a big fan of risograph printing. I would get pieces at at comic conventions and things like that. And mm. I wanted to print a comic uh, risograph and one thing led to another and, you know, <laughs> I had a little bit of savings <laughs> and I bought a thing on, on eBay <laughs> like in oh, two, cool. two days after finding it. And, but it was great. I, I got to print a couple comics and, and uh, a bunch of prints and hopefully, hopefully more soon, you know? Yeah. So for for those of you listening that are unfamiliar with risograph printing, it's it's almost like a a marriage between screen printing and laser printing. Yeah. Hmm. So it's like, I don't know, you can help me out with this, Levi. Mm-hmm. We you put a piece of paper through the machine and it'll like laser or use toner to print one color mm-hmm. and then you've put the paper or the sheet back through and you can do another color. So it'll print like one color at a time essentially going through like a copy machine, but it's just one color that it prints yeah. each time it goes through. What's really cool and also simultaneously, well, I guess ridiculous and archaic about it <laughs> is that it, most printers, uh, they have a mixture of inks that create different colors, but with a risograph, right. when you're printing pink, you've got to put this big tub of pink. Like, like a drum, right? Yeah. Um, so you're, you can do really cool pigmented colors, like neon colors that you couldn't get with a regular printer. And also, um, the imperfections similar to screen printing, uh, allow Mm -hmm. you to mix, uh, and overlay colors in a really cool way. Yeah. Well, I just want to add, cause I'm not a printing guy. Like I, I, you know, I'm an art guy and I'll create things, but I've, I've never been into the, the printing aspect of Mm -hmm. it. So I, what gets you like, at what point... I can see appreciating the artwork, but at what point do you get interested in it on sort of this technical level? Like what aspect of it? We'll start with Levi. Mark, you'll get the answer too, but since he's our guest, let's start with him. I'm actually really dumb with tech and I've got an (laughs) HP, like just piece of garbage printer that half the time doesn't work. So I I don't know (laughs) how I convinced myself to take the plunge and buy an expensive piece of hardware, but 
I don't know. I <laughs> I was in um I was in a few bands years back, and so I've got mm-hmm. kind of uh, my circle of friends from that time. If you wanted to do something stupid and you're like talking yourself down from it, they'd say, "Hey, punk rock, dude. Here's the thing." Just do it and see what happens. And that's that's what they told me about the printer. And I, you know, so otherwise I would not have done it. But there was kind of an aspect of, um, I don't know, jump and ask questions later. And it ended up working out. It it was a lot to figure out at first. But I think I, yeah. I loved it as an art form enough mm-hmm. that I, I could get myself to figure out the technical side of it. So uh, aside from the machine itself, is it, is, are the, uh, the equipment and everything expensive? The, the ink I would imagine. Yeah, you can get, you can get ink. There's still companies making the ink and, and Rizograph is still, you know, they've got modern machines, but the, mm-hmm. the problem is, um, obviously if something breaks, getting replacement parts, but also the ink goes into big metal drums that they don't make anymore. Um, so those, oh. those are expensive. If you want to get a new color for your machine, you got to get a drum to go with it. Or, uh, I think that's what it's called. So did you end up getting a, a used one? I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then are you limited to like, how many colors do you have or have you played with? It prints two colors at, at a time, but I have five colors that I can. So you have to like li- physically swap out a color if you want yeah, to play I, with um, a new one. Yeah, so if I ever have done a print with more than three colors, it, it's a lot of uh, realigning, and you print way more right. copies than you need because half of them are going to be ridiculous. But it's it's one of those things like talking when people ask like I, I like vinyl records and stuff, and when people mm-hmm. when people ask why, I, I go. <laughs> I guess it's the inconvenience because <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I, w- why I want to flip something over and dust it off and make sure, you know, it's the same with Rizograph. It's like, I don't know why I wouldn't just order them from somewhere, but it's kind of cool to get your hands dirty, I guess. Going back to something you said a little while ago, Levi, you said that you got the printer to do some comics, your own comics. Yeah. Um, how many of those have you done and are you still producing your own series? Yeah. So... I guess um, right now my comics, me selling comics and producing comics is kind of at a standstill because I had uh, the card game to work on, which was pretty much crunch time for, you know, like four or five months. Um, But um, I I put out a couple things with the Rizograph printer and then I've put out uh, two or three comics through a local print shop that were way too big to hand do. And uh, next year... I've I've got a lot of things planned, but it's it's a, a question of uh, how ambitious you want to be, you know. So is um was comics your way into to drawing and art in general? Oh yeah, comics is is kind of the goal, the point to me a little bit. Even when I'm drawing, um, I don't know when, when I started on Instagram, um, just posting my art. It was kind of my only outlet for an audience in any mm-hmm. sense. I, I sometimes struggled really committing to drawings because I, in my mind, it was like, well, you know, I'd, I'd rather be working on a comic. Um, and it, it took a transition for me to realize, oh, well, you can, you can have an outlet and tell stories through your, through your illustrations. And then also, you know, I don't know, I found the joy in both. But for me, when I picture the future and my, my goals, it's, it's always been comics. So yeah. what were some of the things you were reading from the beginning that got you first into comics and then maybe, you know, as you got older, like what, what were you reading? 
Uh, when when I was young, I definitely read the superhero comics like Spider Man and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. I got into when I was in high school, I got really into Alan Moore, um, mm-hmm. and I got into Jeff Smith's work, Bone, uh, which is still one of my favorites. After high school, what kind of got me back into comics was Chris Ware, uh, the guy who did uh-huh. Jimmy Corrigan building stories, and he's yeah, he's kind of my hero. That guy's amazing. When you were younger, did you think you were going to, like, did you draw the superhero stuff and then a, a shift changed after high school? Or did you not start drawing the stuff until after, like, the Chris Ware years? In, well, in high school, in high school, I would draw comics and sell them on campus, which was, vi- oh, really? <laughs> which was not allowed. And I <laughs> but I, would, I did a superhero series. I did a, a ripoff of Star Wars that was <laughs> a lot of fun. But I mean, it was all it was all really terrible. It was really terrible. And the world will never see them. But um, <laughs> maybe maybe if you can bribe a teacher who confiscated one. Yeah. But, <laughs> so let's are you still reading comics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, right now, are, I just finished um, Jeffrey Brown, one of his books. Um, I don't know how he slipped by me. It came out ages ago, but his autobiographical stuff is really cool. What else am I reading right now? King City is one that I recently read. Headlopper is really cool. Oh, Headlopper is on my radar, but I have yet to pull the trigger and really dive into it. Yeah. I feel like, so when I was in high school, I was really into comics. And then when I got into college, I transitioned from getting the monthlies and just getting the, the trades. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but f- for some reason, with it in the past, I don't know how many years, it, I kind of fell off, but... I keep seeing like these new comics in my feed for Instagram, like different artists I follow that just look awesome. There's a lot of stuff now that's on my radar. I'm trying to get back into the world of comic books. Yeah. Um, But now that you said Headlopper, I definitely got to go pick that up. As a reader, it seems like a really cool time for comics. I don't know as a producer, you know, it might be the dark ages for all I know, but but (laughs) Headlopper is really cool. Um, Snot Girl is a really cool series. Lots of cool stuff that's not coming out from... Sounds gross. Yes, (laughs) it is. So have you always been producing comics uh, since you started, like in high school, selling those, the ones you mentioned? Have you... Producing is a generous term, but (laughs) (laughs) I've always made comics, you know, uh, on Mm -hmm. and off, on and off. I actually... Yeah, it's it's been probably the longest gap in between right now where I'm at right now in between me putting out a comic. So I got to get on that. So did you go to um, Ape? I, since you're in that area, I did. did, did you go? I always yeah, I always attended uh, in mm-hmm. throughout high school and afterwards back when they were in San Francisco. Right, right. Um, and then I uh, exhibited there two years ago. I didn't exhibit this did. year. How was that? Did you enjoy doing the show? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I had a lot of fun. You know, it was cool. I would love, if I'm being brutally honest, I'd love for them to go back to San Francisco. <laughs> I, I thought yeah, that yeah, venue yeah. was so cool. But um, but it's a cool local thing. Yeah. So because you went, if you went back in high school, then you went when it was pretty, uh, it was pretty hip and it was so small, mm-hmm. but it started off pretty small. Like, yeah. And it was great that like all these... You could have some bigger names right next to people that just have this little staple. Exactly. Zine there were so many webcomic people that I knew right next to. Mm-hmm. I went when uh, Craig Thompson was there with Blankets. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I was there that same year. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was a really – it's a very special convention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was – and I, I was – I had a friend that was really into sort of the alternative press stuff then. And so 
I only know it sort of through him, but he introduced me to a lot of the stuff. So like Dan Klaus and Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I got him to sign know, my book. Right. Yeah. Jordan Crane and uh Adrian Tomina and things like that. My um, brother is dating Dan Klaus's niece, so I'm trying to get in really? on trying Ooh. to get in on that uh family. You know, like, <laughs> wow. His uh his uh, or her dad came over one time and he was like, Oh Levi, you like comic books? You want to come see Dan's workspace? And I was like, he, in- <laughs> he invited me over and he was like, Oh hell no, no, no. It's just when he's not around, I'll take you to his house and you can see his workspace. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll probably do it. You know, S- small yeah. victories. Yeah. You just got to yeah. inch your way. It's almost in there. the same as being friends with him. Right. You know? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I think that counts. Yeah. Six degrees. Yeah. Six degrees. Um, so then, um, Repo Creepo, am I saying that correctly? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did that come about? When did you first start working on that? Uh, that was, I was going to art school. Well, I don't know if you picked that up on the mic, but that's, I just elbowed <laughs> the lamp. Uh, <laughs> Repo Creepo was my kind of outlet when I went to art school. I went to animation school for a couple years. Um, oh, you did? And en- oh, okay. ended up dropping out. But when I was there, I was a little disappointed with some of the prerequisite classes that I was taking. They, I wasn't mm-hmm. producing a lot of work that I could show people that I was proud of. And I, I just mm-hmm. kind of figured if you want to make comics, you just got to make comics. And so I, I put out the first issue. I drew the whole thing over Christmas break. And actually that's the same time where I started posting on Instagram, posting artwork on Instagram a little bit more, I guess, frequently. I, I kind of wanted to start doing what, school was promising me I would do, you know? (laughs) So I want to go back to Repo Creepo, but um, what made you go to school for animation? Was that uh, something you thought you should do or like might be a more, well, easier path to get a job? After high school, I kind of stopped. I've I've been surrounded with a lot of really encouraging people my entire life. And after high school, I kind of started to question whether they were honest or great people or, oh, you know, yeah. and so I was like, okay, well maybe they're just telling me that I've, that I've got potential because they love me and cause they're awesome people. And mm-hmm. so I, I became a big boy and I went to school for communication and I got like, I got like two years into it and it was mostly the, you know, general ed stuff that I finished. So I, yeah. I didn't waste a lot of time, but I was just so depressed. So like what, what is going on? And, um, over the course of like two weeks, someone showed me this school near me and I realized like, like, what am I doing? I got to, if I'm going to go to school and spend all this time and get in debt, you know, like I might as well be drawn. <laughs> so then that, that was the school you went to for animation or, or you oh, left? Sorry. I think I, <laughs> that's okay. I, I just went on a yeah big tangent. So when I went to school for animation, I I've always, when I was a kid, I wanted to do comics and then I kind of, got really into watching the special features and behind the scenes on animation thing. I collected animation books. And mm-hmm. when you're a kid, you don't see them as separate careers. You see, you know, I'm going to draw and I'm going to make right. cartoons. I'm going to make, you know, um, and I didn't see comics as a job you could have. I saw, sure. I saw animating as a job you could have. So it was kind of, you know, animation was kind of my decision to draw in general again. Did you have um, a specific role or job within animation that you're interested in pursuing? I mean, especially after you started taking classes, I'm sure 
it kind of opened your eyes to see that there was a bigger world within animation. Mm-hmm. Was there a specific thing that you were interested in pursuing? Well, I always loved 2D animation, and I did it before mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. I just flash stuff. Uh, but I also am big on s- storytelling, like comics and stuff. So storyboarding was what eventually I decided my direction was going to be. Um, because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of 2D animation jobs out there, you know. But yeah, actually, the reason, the thing that triggered me to go to school when I realized that I was unhappy just going to communication or to school for communications was um, one of the buddies from an old band of mine said, hey, we're working on this video game concept with this programmer and we want you to come help us with the music. And so I, I went and we had this meeting and it was great. And then after the meeting, the programmer was like, all right, so if you can have some concept art to us by next week, that'd be great. And I went, concept art, what are you talking about? I look over at my friends and they're like quickly leaving because they told them that I was an artist. <laughs> and so they kind of outed me. And so I reluctantly did some concept art for them. And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever, dude. So, you know, that was that was me tasting it again. So then did you, was that, uh, did you finish the animation program or did you leave school before that? I, I got about halfway through the program. And at that point, my career in, in terms of client work I was getting and commissions I was getting and followers and it had right. gotten to the point where I could be, I, I could be paying my bills better if I wasn't going to school. And that's a very rare thing for an artist to be able to say, so I decided <laughs> at least for now I'm going to leave and I'm I'm kind of glad I did because art school is pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Was that um was that a controversial uh, decision for your family? You know what? My family was co- <laughs> my family was cool with me going to art school, so I think the controversial decisions were, you know, they they've been right, pretty accepting. Right. It was scary for me. Sure. Cuz yeah. if you say I'm dropping out of college no matter what the context is, it's, you know, you feel like a slob, <laughs> yeah. right? So have you been doing freelance ever since then? Ever since then, yeah. Um, wow, that's a pretty amazing. Yeah, it's been great. So uh, Repo Creep, I want to, before we leave this, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. How did that concept for, it's a really neat concept for for the comic book. How did that come up? Was that something you had worked on for years or did it kind of just spring to life when you sat down to do this thing? Well, actually, I I had a comic that I wanted to work on and I'd, had, I'd been mulling over for for years, you know, just a story. And Repo Creepo was something that I came up with very fast. And like I said, Mm -hmm. I drew the first issue in a few weeks. And at the time I had not been, now I draw a lot faster than I used to, but at the Mm -hmm. the time that was a big deal for me. So actually it was, it was a really fast, a really fast thing. It it just, the concept just came out because I thought a Repo Man has got to be the shittiest job ever, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And at the time, at the time I had, you know, what I thought was the shittiest job ever. I'd been working in a coffee shop for three years and I, and I was, I was like, uh, I kind of wanted to write a character that was reluctantly forced to, to work a job that was tough. And you've done two issues of that so far. Is that right? I have done two. Yeah. I've got the whole thing, the whole thing pretty much thumbnailed, but it's just a question of when I can fit it in, you know? Yeah, is it a is it an ongoing thing or do you have sort of an end in sight for that I, story? I do have an end. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's oh, wow. it's because I want to put it together as a book. Um, the yeah. the reason it's issues is just because at the time when I started it, I didn't have the time to do a graphic novel. So I was like, well, maybe if sure. I can make them little self contained Doctor Who esque, you know, yeah, like a single story per issue, then maybe I can tell a bigger story if you read all the issues or. 
And how has the, I know you, it's only available as a PDF. Is that correct to your Etsy shop? I, I actually ran out of physical copies and I've been working on the, okay. the game. So I haven't had time to, in 2018, hopefully in this month when I get back from Minnesota, I'm going to completely revamp the store and get more issues. And I've got some client work. Right now we're working on an expansion for the game and then I've got some client work after that. But my, my hope mm -hmm. is that I can start working on the rest of Repo Creepo in a couple months. For those of you listening, I, Levi keeps mysteriously hinting at this game. <laughs> um, but we're not going to get there yet, but just really quick so you guys aren't in the, the dark completely. Um, he did was a part of a Kickstarter campaign recently for a game called Kill the Unicorns. Um, and it's a, a card game that we'll talk about a little bit later, but I just wanted, I know he's mentioned it a few times, this game that he's been working on the past few months, but just so you guys have a little bit of context on what it is he's talking about. Um, <laughs> but now I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned a few times social media, and I know that's how I found your work. Um, and you have grown tremendously over a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. How, how... Are you using social media? I know that's a pretty general question, but it's unavoidable now, I think, in any creative field. Mm -hmm. But at what point did you realize that this was a thing that you could use and how do you choose to use it to further your career? When I started using it, I was just doing it because I, I knew that I needed a fire under my ass kind of uh, mm -hmm. to, to produce because I didn't have any clients. I, I you know. It's not good to just go to art school and just do your homework. Um, so I did it as an outlet. But the fact that Instagram specifically is used by everybody and it's mm -hmm. it's so non-intrusive, you just kind of flip through it and it's just pictures. I didn't realize when I started, but it's it's so perfect to to just have a casual place to release your art. And it it like unlike something like DeviantArt and, and Tumblr, where you have to kind of be in that world to access that, I feel like uh, Instagram is pretty crucial now for for spreading your name if you want to do art. Do you spend time scheduling like a posting schedule or thinking about what you're going to post or is it just kind of uh, what you're working on and a little bit more casual? Uh I, there have been times where I've stockpiled stuff because I was working on a project, but for the most part, I try to keep it really candid and just, if I was working on something that afternoon, share it. There are times of the day that I usually post, you know, it's usually just when people are off work, I'll post something, you know? Yeah. So you found like specific time slots that you think you get a better at, response At least for on. me, I've told people the times mm -hmm. that I post and they say, well, I didn't really you know, so I, I don't know if it's just when when my followers are online or or what. Yeah, but. it's it's frustrating. We've had this conversation several times um, on the podcast in previous episodes, but Instagram keeps screwing with the freaking algorithm. Oh so now, like every time I go on, it's like it's all over the place. There's I don't see every post of people I follow and the order of which you know, the posts that I'm seeing are mm -hmm. all over the place. It's like the first post will be something from three days ago. Then I'll scroll down. And it'll be something that's post like three minutes ago. Yeah, it's the so worst. I don't know what's going on. And it's hard for, you know, as a business and an individual to try and figure out a way to totally maximize the benefits of social media because, you know, it, it's different than what it was not and I, that long ago. I've heard lots of clashing things about it. What I, what I hear from a lot of people is that, 
you know, posts are higher based on what you've liked and stuff. That's pretty, you know, obvious. Mm -hmm. But if you used to be a person that posted a lot per day, the update might not be as good for you because I think that I think that the update works better for people that post one, you know, thing that they want everybody to focus on per day. Because if that gets a lot of likes, then the next thing that they post will get a lot of attention. And if that could, yeah, yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're not talking about just another Instagram user here. You have over a hundred thousand followers, <laughs> uh, so you are in a different stratosphere, I think, than most people starting out. And, and what's interesting, so I went all the way back on your Instagram today to to try to get to the very beginning. Oh no! And it, it <laughs> really, it's amazing because for someone like you, and I think this is going to become more common, but. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone like you, you really see the progression Mm -hmm. from when you're just using this thing as like, oh, goofy pictures of my friends and occasional drawing. This is a little doodle I did. And these things have like nine likes at the beginning, you know, (laughs) and to see, I mean, it's all right there where we can see the progression from Mm -hmm. where you start taking this thing more seriously, where you're doing more drawing, where it becomes more the drawing than it is funny pictures of your friends and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it it is kind of. (laughs) fascinating to see that journey on there was there a point in there for you personally where you thought okay i'm going to take this more seriously as a tool as a as a way to promote your work or did it just sort of organically go in that direction yeah i there was a point for sure when i went back and i i deleted some things that i thought might not oh you did okay <laughs> but i don't like when people cleanse the whole thing cuz i like to see the journey too piccolo mm-hmm. i don't know if you follow piccolo on it's, you probably do he's got 1.5 million followers but right. he uh if you scroll back on his his uh instagram you can find you know lots of really early stuff but yeah there was definitely a point where i was like oh this is this is for art now this is for my drawings <laughs> you know and is this your because I, I could be wrong on this too, but do you have a, a general portfolio site or is this primary, your primary resource for showing your work? This is my primary resource, unfortunately, but my little whiteboard by my bed says build a website. So I guess that's going oh, right. to, that's, that's going to happen. You know? <laughs> I, I, you know, I do get contacted by people, um, that, you know, clients, um, but I've got a feeling that, having a professional website would probably speed things along, you know? (laughs) Well, it's funny. It it does feel like things are shifting. And I don't know that that means you shouldn't have a website, but it it just seems like it's less, uh, you know, a death blow if you don't. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're, case in point. What, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about some of your freelance clients. I mean, we mm-hmm. see the work that you do on here. It's a lot of fun stuff. And then you do a lot of personal commissions, which is very cool. And mm-hmm. then of course the Kickstarter, which we'll get to, but what are the clients that are coming to you for work? My first, uh, the first significant client work I got was for like an amateur kids book. I don't even know if it's been published yet. Um, uh-huh. but that's, that's what allowed me to um, start working part time. And I was doing that for like three months. Uh, besides that, it's mostly, you know, if it's a company, it'll be like, can we get a few images? I I don't, besides the game work that we'll talk about, I don't do a lot of long-term stuff. A lot of it is family portraits or, uh, Mm -hmm. something for someone's business. I don't know, but yeah, Instagram has been really great for that. People are, you know, people have the app, so they're, they're always looking at it and they'll contact you. And it's, it's a lot easier than it was, I think for people before. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, do you have <laughs> any tips for people 
that either they're new artists or they're existing artists that are trying to, um, you know, get more followers? Mm -hmm. Or do you have any tips or advice for these people as how they can sort of, is it just do better work? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, uh, I think one of the things that made a big difference for me, and again, you know, the algorithm is constantly changing, so it's kind of hard to give concrete advice, but something that seems to be just an absolute good is, is, uh, drawing prompts like Inktober and stuff. When I did that, I had a few hundred. And I think by, by the end of the first Inktober, I maybe had a thousand or something like that. Because if you go and you comment on people's posts and you get active in a community, that's a great way to start. And of course, there's all that mumbo jumbo with hashtags and stuff, which is kind of a thing in and of itself, which ones are worth your time and which ones are not. But with all the changes, <laughs> with all the changes, it's so hard to give concrete advice, you know? Yeah, uh, it's it's stupid because what you say today is becomes void tomorrow. But sorry, go ahead. What I, what I was saying is my advice used to be when people sent me messages, I would always say, well, what I do is I post every day. And at the time, I think that was good. I don't know if that's the best advice now. I Like I said, oh. Piccolo and a lot of people bigger than me, like he's got under a thousand posts and he's got 1.5 million and I've got yeah. like 2,000 posts and I'm at 100,000. So Now, do you find that like you kind of, you don't do a lot of process stuff. You, you do some, um, it's not the majority I'd say, but you show like steps, mm-hmm. like the, the inked drawing and then color or, or some part of that. Yeah. Is there a part of it that you find that people are, are more attracted to? Do they like to see more of the behind the scenes aspect than necessarily just the final piece? People pay attention. I don't want to say more, but at least as much to the process stuff. And I think mm-hmm. they pay attention to the finished thing more when you post the process stuff, which honestly, if, if you wanted to just look at someone's online portfolio, you know, you could do that. But I think one of the things that makes social media and Instagram specifically so special is that you can get a look behind the curtain. And that's what I love Uh the most is seeing what, what people use and, and what hours they're awake. You know, like some people are doing live streams (laughs) at two in the morning and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, you work, you work for Fox and you're just, you know, burning the midnight oil. Um, right. It's great. (laughs) A lot of this, uh, in your Instagram feed that I'm looking through right now, like you do a good mix of, um, you know, pop culture stuff, but, uh, your own original stuff, uh, and then maybe some more obscure things. What would you recommend to people? This this question comes up a lot about because pop culture gets sort of attention quickly mm-hmm. and it can get you hits. How much should an artist rely on pop culture or what would the percentage be of pop culture versus, say, your own, uh, you know, uh, intellectual property? Yeah, that's definitely something that everybody has different opinions on. And I've shifted <laughs> I've shifted on it. I don't think I think fan art is is cool. And actually, mm-hmm. maybe kind of important to some extent because it invites people into uh, like if I see someone doing fan art the way they do something, it's a mm-hmm. quick way for me to see the way they do something because it's uh-huh. contrasted against the way someone else did it. But yeah, it, it can get it can get to to be um, that it overshadows the craft of what you're doing and, and you're just a vehicle for someone else's ideas. Lately, I've been doing significantly less than I used to, not because I think it's lame, but just because as an experiment, I wanted to try and push my own original ideas as the primary thing, because no matter what, Mm -hmm. if you post a a drawing of 11 from stranger things, that's going to be your most liked thing ever, no matter what, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that's just kind of how Instagram works. Um, so as a challenge, I've, I've been trying to, uh, 
focus on building a brand. I'm it's it's weird because I'm so new to this. I've been very lucky and the followers, you know, this year have been incredible Mm -hmm. and it has genuinely changed my life. It's given me a really cool career, but I'm so new to all of this. It has been less than a year that I've been relying on this as my main thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like, like the website thing. I I don't have a website up, but I've got a hundred thousand followers on Instagram but I've only been doing this for less than a year. So it's, yeah, it's a whole thing. I think what you said was really great that when people do fan art, uh, I think for other artists like yourself, you do see that you you can see the style quickly, just like you said, that's Mm -hmm. such a good point. And I think for artists, we tend to think that everybody thinks like other artists, but they clearly don't. Yeah. Right. So maybe people who are approaching it as from a fan perspective, they might not think of it in terms of style. They just might think, well, let's see your Spider-Man now or your Captain America yeah. <laughs> and, and blow past that. But that is such a great point about about sort of being able to recognize someone's self for, for better or for worse, where where an exact replica of something might be kind of boring. But if they take it you know, far enough and you, you can see their style, I think that's really. Yeah, I, I've never heard it word that way. And I think that that makes a lot of sense as to what. Uh, attracts because I love fan art. Yeah, so, uh, I used yeah, to be when I started. Um, I tried to not uh, post as much fan art, and and I think it was because a lot of the people I followed. Craig Gleason is an example of someone who is just original characters, and it's mm-hmm. it's great, and he's a miracle for making that work. Uh, you know, um, right? But when I started posting fan art, it genuinely I think it helped my audience understand me more, um, but mm-hmm. it also made me grow as an artist because I'm one of those people that believes in reference and believes in collecting a library of influences and borrowing from all of them instead of stealing from one. And so I think, you know, when you draw a picture of Kylo Ren, you kind of, you're kind of forced to enter the mind of the person who designed that look. And it kind of, it's like being a cannibal a little bit. You suck a bit of that uh, intelligence (laughs) and skill from them (laughs) So, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's very useful. Yeah, I, I think that's right, because I think there is a difference, though, between caricature yeah. and then doing exactly what you just said, that you're sort of you really are paying an homage to the to the thought and the process that went into creating, say, his mask. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then as opposed to doing just sort of a jokey, quick, cartoony version of, of something. Like yeah. That, and so. the only reason why now I'm, you know, trying to be more not trying to be more hesitant, but I'm a little bit more hesitant. I'm still figuring it out is because there's so many more people following me than there used to be. And so I'm, right. you know, suddenly it's like, ah, oh, damn, I gotta, th- I gotta think about brand. What is that? But you know, I think lots of people make it work really well. Like, you know, Jake Parker is one of them who, yeah. who has a really cool way of doing it. Absolutely. Okay, Mark, I, I kept cutting you off there and I apologize. So <laughs> sorry, Mark. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. So, but I mean, talking about fan art and pop culture, um, I did want to ask you, I'm sure you're familiar with mm-hmm. this kind of pop culture art movement, if you will. There's all these different art galleries around the country that are popping up, having all these different types of shows. Um, I feel like you'd be a great fit for this stuff. Is that something that you'd be interested in? kind of pursuing or participating in some of these gallery pop culture art gallery shows yeah absolutely doing the princess bride show was one of my favorite things that year i was really stoked um and everybody loved princess bride too so whenever i told someone you know that they're like well what have you been doing lately i'm like oh 
little piece for the princess bride anniversary uh, little, you know, <laughs> artist artist gallery you know they don't need to know all the details they'll just be oh you know princess bride um, no yeah I, I i love that stuff there's this guy i follow who does um little action figures and packages and oh i wish i could remember his name i'm gonna look him up right now but he's he's been doing pieces for those galleries um he did one for archie recently and it's very cool have you not done uh, some of those art shows? I, I, I kind of just assumed you did. Uh, have you done anything for like Nucleus or 88 or Bottleneck? I don't know. Who else is out there? Um, <laughs> I did, besides the uh, the Princess Bride one, I did one other, and it was for a, a, a book premiere. It was like a compilation book. This was this was probably like almost a year ago. It was a compilation book of a bunch of artists and we didn't get paid, but there was a gallery. So we were supposed to be kind of stoked about it, but you know, right. Right. So no, I, I haven't done a whole, I haven't done a whole lot of them. Yeah. I definitely think you should. (laughs) I I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that we got you on early. So you're (laughs) you're part of the squared co team before everybody else gets you all tired out from doing the pop culture stuff. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, but okay, so I think it's time. Jared, are you ready for this? Yes. We've been t- we've been tiptoeing around it forever, but like I said earlier, Levi was a part of a Kickstarter campaign recently for a new card game called Kill the Unicorns. Hey. Um, I so I have a very very limited amount of knowledge about this game. I pretty much just saw the Kickstarter campaign and the video. Uh, which doesn't give me much. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you, Levi, I'll give you the opportunity to kind of give us the elevator pitch about the game, and then we'll go into the artwork and the details about um, the production of this. Yeah, so it's it's a card game where you play as a hunter and you play against your friends in a world where unicorns are pests uh, and they they pollute the air and they you know they poop in the flowers and stuff like that. So you've got to pick a hunter uh, and and basically compete with your friends to see who can kill the most. And uh, it's ridiculous, but it it's a lot of fun. So we've had a f- a bunch of different artists and creatives come on. I'm not going to start naming because I will inevitably leave some off and feel bad about it. <laughs> um, but we've had some guests on doing card games, doing art books. How- what, how involved were you with this this campaign? Was this your idea or were you hired on um, just to be the illustrator? About, well, I'm trying to remember how long it was now, but I feel like about seven months ago, uh, I got an email and it was this company and they were like, hey, we're making this game. It was going to be a board game. Now it's a card game. Our artist had to go work on other stuff. So we want you to completely redesign this thing and come up with all oh, these wow. new characters in about four months and i was like four months okay well you know uh that's a job i I do jobs i guess you know i i do drawing so so i said yes and then about about two months later the work actually began so we had two months to do this entire thing um but it, it wasn't my so it wasn't my concept but i got to really put my my greasy fingerprints all over it and design a lot of characters and kind of <laughs> the mood of you know the sassy atmosphere right, of the right, game right. <laughs> So this is something that I'm getting increasingly interested in. It's kind of like this these indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I feel like there's more and more being produced. Uh, and it's for me, I grew up playing a lot of board games, but from my basically the time I graduated high school till pretty recently, playing games has kind of fallen off my radar. But because of this kind of resurgence, uh, it's 
I don't know, I'm getting more and more interested in it and starting to play more games. Is this something that that you are interested in, in independent games, or do you play board games on your own? Oh, yeah, yeah. Me and my friends have, um, well, lately we haven't, but we, we used to have a weekly game night, which hopefully we'll be getting back into, but it really is crazy. There's like a board game scene, and maybe it always, maybe it <laughs> yeah. was always there, I don't know, but um, lots of really cool board games that aren't just intended for family nights mm-hmm. that are really heady and a lot of rules and you know uh, yeah. and kickstarter i think has been probably the key to that because you don't need to have a big company behind you um you know there's lots of failed kickstarters but there's there's a pretty strong right. board game community on kickstarter did, did you have to do any specific research for for this game that you were producing the artwork for like did they tell you to go out and play certain games or kind of give you a style that they were going after i did a lot of research but they didn't they they sent me the print and play version of the game so i you know had a feel for how it worked but the game itself is pretty simple So they didn't have me do any research or anything like that. I certainly did a lot of uh, Google searches for, (laughs) you know, uh, professional board game artist uh, uh, advice. Please, (laughs) please, you know. (laughs) Jared, have you been a part of a board game, art art for a board game yet? No, I I haven't. Um, And I'm not a big (laughs) game fan myself. I, I do like, so just like this is a perfect example where, I tend to be attracted to the artwork uh, of the game yeah, more so than actually playing. Me too, like I was yeah. watching the video and the video for the Kickstarter game, it's very entertaining, but I could like halfway through, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to play this game, mm-hmm. but it certainly is funny. Like <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy on game nights where my friend Gabe comes out and he's got this big game and it's got multiple <laughs> levels and it's got a mat and you know, all these rules. And I'm like, Hey, right. let's play Catan again. <laughs> I know how to, you know, I'm the kind of person that I learn a game for life. And then that's, that's the, one of the games that I play, you know, I, I think some yeah. people, a lot of board game people like learning rules. I think that's a <laughs> yeah, lot exactly. of, that's a lot of the game to some people. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So when you set out to do this game, actually, did they um, did they just send you a list of a bunch of assets that they needed created or did this sort of develop as you were creating these characters and worlds? Well, lucky for me, there it was a concept before it was going to be a board game. So there was there was kind of, uh, I guess, a vision for the game. Um, Mm -hmm. So I got to see how the other guy interpreted it. And before I signed the contract, I put up a sample like platter of a bunch of how this is how I will do it if I'm doing this as opposed to. And so when they approved that, then I was like, all right, well, I'm kind of, you know, semi free to, to change how things are. I think I I forgot your question already as I do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was asking if they gave you just a huge list though of assets. So you knew going into it for sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They gave Mm. me a big Google doc. (laughs) Oh, wow. Very cool. So now I don't know much about, I've never done a Kickstarter project or even been, been part of it. And, and you could not answer this question if you don't want to. Oh, hit me. Do you, do you get paid to do this work up front or does everybody kind of get paid once this thing gets funded? Well, I know that some people, um, and, and this depends on how big the game is mm-hmm. going to be, because right. if you're working on a game with your friend Jeff, um, right. you, you probably don't want to be paid 
a big chunk <laughs> of royalties as your payment, you know. But I got paid. What about my friend Jared? Your yeah, friend no, Jared, don't trust him. <laughs> he might be okay. He might Shady. be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he. Uh, but I got paid up front a little bit, and then the majority mm-hmm. came from the Kickstarter. Which luckily did really well, so that yeah, because for a few months, for a few months, I was like, "What have I done? (laughs) We'll see what happens." (laughs) I've never done something like that before, right? So, with such a with such a huge order in such a relatively short amount of time, did you have to? Was this it for that time period, or did you have to keep doing other projects and and you know keep? Well, actually, yeah, um, I did do commissions on the side. Uh, I just moved mm-hmm. to a new place about six months ago. So there's whenever you move, there's a bunch of unexpected, you know, ex- of course. expenses and stuff. So that was not budgeted for. So there were a few times I had to open commissions and stuff, uh, which was crazy in the heat of doing the game. But for the most part, for the most part, I was able to just focus on the game. I did have to close and- that online store, though, because right. <laughs> when you when you're working like day and night, you don't want to you know have to pack up 10 packages and pack envelopes. Oh my God. Yeah. It takes way longer than I ever would have expected. So I wonder if you could say, looking at this project and the scope of this work specifically, what was your favorite part of doing the work for this? And what was sort of your least favorite part of, of creating these assets? Mm-hmm. Um, least favorite part. We'll get it out of the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I had never worked on a project this established before, which means I guess, you know, at the beginning of the project, for example, they would tell me all these things they needed and I'd be like, okay, well, you know, a juggling bear unicorn. That's not a real one. Right. And I would send them a sketch and then they'd be like, oh no, we wanted it more like this. And I'd be like, oh, oh, I've never, I've never had someone give me a note before. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So then you send it back and they're like, oh, we wanted it more like this. I went, oh, 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 this is a big, this is a big, uh, you know, I'm actually talking to 17 people through this one art director. So the, that was the hardest thing, but also probably the best thing is that I Mm -hmm. learned to communicate and now things go so much faster than at the beginning. Right. Right. I could see that. Um, and I, you know, I look at your body of work and I, like I see you are uh, just from what I'm seeing on Instagram and things like that. You're a character guy for sure. For sure. Um, do you, do you mind doing uh, the other stuff, whether it's objects or backgrounds or, you know, some yeah. of the more non-charactery stuff? No, I love doing that. I actually recently, um, everybody thinks they're terrible at, at environments, I think until they learn to do them because it doesn't come as naturally to most people as mm-hmm. drawing a dude. But lately right. I've really kind of fallen in love with buildings and, scenery and stuff i don't really have an outlet for it you you know uh, but i draw it for myself you know (laughs) right so i'm wondering so you've done this game and you've got these commissions and everything that's happening on screen what is sort of the the goal for you you did mention comics at the top of it Mm -hmm. is is that sort of the ultimate goal to to put out books or i wonder if you could talk a little bit about where you see yourself going because you're you're young i yeah um yeah (laughs) and like you said this is all happening very quickly Uh uh-huh but where where would you like to see yourself end up, at least at, at this point in your life? You know, I'm not too picky on <laughs> on which industry I'm working in as long as I get to pay the bills by creating, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really like to design characters. I like to write. Um, storyboarding is fun. Like I said, the goal for me is comics, but I think that's because I just like storytelling. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think recently like in the last year i've discovered how much storytelling goes into a good 
character illustration. So, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm like I said, I'm a baby in the industry, so I I'm not too picky, but <laughs> I, you will certainly yeah. be seeing comics from me, whether or not that is how I pay the bills. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. Do you? Um. So you like we seen some of the stuff or um the the creepo. I'm sorry, I keep messing up that name. No, we we call it Repo Crepo. <laughs> Repo Crepo. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you see like the books that you'd want to be doing something similar in that vein, uh, an ongoing story, or do you see it more, you know, like what Chris Ware does is so specific mm-hmm. and and just like a, I mean, it's a graphic novel, but it's like a comic book, but it's sort of its own thing. Yeah. Like, would you like to get into sort of that kind of complex storytelling, or do you think of it more traditional comic books? There's a lot of different kinds of things that I that I want to do. I've got an idea for a web comic that's like similar to a Sunday strip like Calvin and Hobbes. But mm-hmm. once you get like 50 in, you realize that there's been a story and it kind of picks up steam. So I've got, I've got concepts for stuff like that. What I love, Chris Ware is way better than anybody has a right to be. But what, <laughs> yes. what, I, what I love about Chris Ware and what I think I aspire to, he kind of lets the story dictate the format a little bit. Um, and a comic I did this year called ocean man was just a little foldable risograph zine. And what I did was I, I didn't just ship out the comic I shipped out. It was this little comic. You could unfold it and there was a poster and then it came with a bookmark and it came with uh, a print and came with two buttons. And if you look at all of these things, you get different pieces to the story. They stand on their own. as just little cute little things. Um, but that's my biggest takeaway from someone like Chris Ware is if he thinks that a pamphlet is the best method to tell his story, he'll do it. If he thinks a webcomic is, he'll do it. Like he just did a webcomic last year. I don't remember what it's called, but uh-huh. buildings, yeah. building stories is right. I mean, if I ever get a fraction of that ability, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I would love to do is the stuff that defies, I think, format a little bit. Right. So, how do you sort of, this might be a difficult question to answer, but we can always edit it out. How do you practice storytelling? Like for drawing and art, it seems very easy. You keep you keep drawing or you explore or you, you look at other things. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, like for something like this where you're looking at a bigger project, and this might not be something you're doing now, but do you write, like, uh, or do you write down a story first? Like do you practice that way before taking it to uh, the visuals? Or like how do you develop that side of it? Well, the the visuals usually come along at the same time as the the initial writing. Usually mm-hmm. I'll come up with an idea and as I'm writing it down, um, I will be drawing pictures. So it's hard for me to separate the two. But um, the way that I, I guess, practice uh, while I'm not putting out stories is I'm, I'm really into um, story structure like Joseph Campbell's The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Um, dense. Dan very ha- dense. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm working through it. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. on my coffee table, so everyone thinks that I've read the whole thing. But, <laughs> but um, Dan Dan Harmon, um, Dan Harmon is a real hero of mine um, when it comes to storytelling, and he's simplified it to his story circle. Um, studying that stuff really helps. Are you? It's, it's, are you familiar with Save the Cat? Yeah, the trope. Oh wait, or what are you? Yeah, it's it's for yeah, it's movies. Um, it's basically it's similar to what you were just saying, where it's it basically creates a structure for storytelling. Um, but Save the Cat is done through 
movies as examples. Mm. I'm writing that down. I've never. I'll, heard I'll of send it. you. I'll send you a link. This is it's really good for for storytelling. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. I, but what I is it, Mark? Is it is it like a so it's basically somebody. Yeah, it's a book. Um, and they what the, I forget the author's name, but he was a screenwriter, mm. and he basically said that you can pick any movie from Hollywood, and pinpoint plot points to fit this this template Mm -hmm. so he's he created the template and shares the template with you and then he picks out different movies and says like look here's this you know here's let's say aliens and this is how it fits within my template and then he'll go and say like here's blank check um this is how it fits in the mold like so he picks different movies from different genres to show that it's all the same story being told, just dressed up differently. I, I love huh. stuff like that. I think some people are put off by it because they they when they hear that they hear mm-hmm. like a, cyn- a no, cynical. There's, no, there's yeah, yeah, there's nothing original coming. To out me, what I hear is that storytelling yeah. is open source. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's that the creative part is what you put in it, but the story. You know, there is a way to write a story, and that's what these people are following. I, I really, when I draw, you won't often see me post just the sketches on uh, Instagram. Sometimes I do, but I'll clean them up. But my sketches are loose and really ugly. And um, if I'm doing an inking video, usually I'll polish it up a little bit so that people kind of are let behind the curtain. They can see, you know, oh, it's a sketch instead of it's three circles and some squiggles. But I'm kind <laughs> of the same way with storytelling, too. I think that's why it appeals to me is when I figure out all the stuff I want to put in, or what I think is all the stuff I want to put in, then I put it to a, a story circle um, divided into mm. four little sections and I figure out all of the stuff and I'm like, well, does that work? Is it exciting? And then if it's not, then it's you can figure it out when it's still in that rough sketch, you know? Yeah, that's, I don't yeah. know. It's something that a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people are really put off by, but I think it's, it's kind of cool. I wonder if you could, if you could give us one thing right now, like recently that has inspired you or your work or or any of the projects that you're working on whether it's a comic book or a film or a tv show and kind of give a sense of to people that are listening what you're into right now let's see i'm really into, <laughs> i'm really into black mirror that's something yeah. that i'm i'm all about um, did you get through the whole new season yet no i'm not caught up yet I'm, okay. i heard the star trek <laughs> episode was bonkers though yeah i can't yeah. wait that's that's something that's really great to me like i said i'm reading um uh, Jeffrey Brown's autobiographical comics. And what I like about those is that it really does seem like he goes just pen to paper and writes out his his day without trying to structure it into a story. And then it automatically somehow becomes a story. That's a, a, a thing. I play a lot of video games when I have five seconds of free time. I've been playing the, <laughs> the Switch. I've been playing the new Zelda game and the Mario game. And I've those have always influenced my uh, my artwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's lately. Cool. Have yeah. you played Arms? Oh yeah, I love that game. You I, play for it? me? No, I don't have a Switch, but that's like the one game that I would like kind of push me over the edge. Basically, what I do now, I just wait for the a new Smash Brothers to come out, and then yeah. I get that <laughs> yeah. system. Do you play a that's, lot of games? That's literally, I literally only play Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> that's not in the. There's well, nothing okay. wrong with that. That's somewhat. That's somewhat of an exaggeration. That's the only <laughs> like contemporary or modern game I play. I recently got the Super Nintendo Classic, Ooh. so I play that. But like as far as new or current games or titles, how'd you get your whatever the latest? How'd you get your pause on Smash that? Smash Brothers. 
Um, so <laughs> I got up super early on nice. release day. And so I, I think I told this story before, but I'll tell you the quick version now. I went, like, I thought that they would do a midnight release. So I went to Walmart after work, like the day before it was supposed to come out. And they're like, oh, no, we're not doing anything. But they opened up at like 5 or 6 a.m. the next morning. So I got up early thinking that like nobody's going to get wake up early in mm. Tustin to go get this thing. So I go there the next morning, like maybe an hour after it opened, and they already capped the line. <laughs> shit this is like serious yeah so i had to drive around then i went to target they already capped the line then there was a GameStop that hadn't that was going to open like three hours later so this was like seven in the morning GameStop opened at 10 and they hadn't capped the line yet so i had to wait for three hours and they had like 24 units i think i was the 20th in line so i like barely got it but i had to wait Drive around to three different stores and then wait in line for three hours. I really wanted one, especially to play that new, well, not new, but the Star oh, Fox Star game. Star Fox 2? Oh, my God. Yeah. But then my friend was like, you've got a Super Nintendo. You're a sociopath. You need to stop. You know? <laughs> you've got the actual Super Nintendo classic. You know? <laughs> you got... so. uh, I, I have the Super Nintendo as well, but I still want it. And I still waited three hours in line. <laughs> Dude, if I didn't, ha- if I didn't have to wait three hours in line, I still would have gotten it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I man. mean, I so I was bummed out. I missed the NES classic, so I was determined to get this one. And I just once I realized they were releasing it, I told myself like, "You're getting it, no matter what it takes." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so once I committed, three hours was no big deal. I'm probably still gonna get my greasy paws on one. One of these days. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, now the only alternative is paying, like, ridiculous amounts for yeah, it. Yeah, no I don't way. think they're releasing anymore. Oh, that's weird. I just basically want to watch uh, someone play Cuphead. I don't want to play oh, it because I'm oh terrible at video games, but I just want to watch that, the gameplay because it's amazing. Yeah, that looks awesome, too. That game rules, man. That's a game that I don't, I don't know how that happened, you know? Yeah, They've got a team exactly. of, like, 12 people led by two brothers yeah it makes no sense that that game was made (laughs) yeah i mean i look at that and i'm like anything is possible yeah yeah and then you look at some of the bigger you know triple a games that come out and they've got you know millions and millions of dollars behind them and and dead garbage yeah yes (laughs) i I hope they do a making of for that game or something like that i'd love to see a documentary on that the development of that game i just want an art book really i just (laughs) no yeah that game's that game's ridiculous i'm probably about yeah i'm like three quarters of the way through oh you are heard it's really hard too oh my god it's so hard never since (laughs) like well i've since meat boy meat boy was one of the big ones um Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I played the crap out of that game. Then uh, obviously Dark Souls is another one that's just why? Why do I do this to myself? But <laughs> it hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up, I, I do want to ask about one more thing, and then Mark, I'll let you take it away here. But uh, wonder if you could talk a little bit about Butt Guy. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> super cute, and it's really fun what you're able to do with him. How did that? How did that come up? Um, that is something that I've been drawing forever so um i posted a sketch of him one time on instagram and of course like this little sketch got more attention than any of the things that i had put out in the past month which was ridiculous (laughs) but um i just love i love uh sanrio and stuff like that where you follow one character and they just tweak a slight thing 
and yes. and it's <laughs> like I love that stuff. Um, right. I, I considered briefly creating a second Instagram with just a, a butt guy a day. Uh, I might still do that, but I don't know. Um, either way, I've, I've got a lot of them saved to my computer that I'm just like, if I don't have content for that day, I'll just drop a little bomb, a little butt guy in the world, you know? <laughs> do you work uh, digitally at all or is it all hand stuff? Yeah. So for, I, I had a, just a Wacom tablet that I'd had for years, but I only used mm-hmm. it for coloring. I would scan in my line art and then I would color it. But yeah. for the card game, I bit the bullet and I bought a Cintiq and it rules. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's what I've been doing the butt guys on. And <laughs> yeah, <Very laughs> it's cool. kind of like a warm up mm-hmm. thing. If, you know, if I'm about to start a big day of work, it's like, well, I can put it off a little bit longer. You know, how would Hugh Jackman look as a butt guy? Oh, there he is. All right. <laughs> Good stuff. It's- yeah, I mean, there's definitely a sort of genesis of this character, and he's gonna be uh, he's my he's my legacy for sure. Totally, like I would love to see uh, a toy line. I would do a blind box of butt guys. Oh. Those are really cute. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, All right, awesome. Mark, I'll let you take um, it away. But, well, okay. There's a couple things before we wrap up. First, um, you are going to be doing your second show with us coming up. Uh, Jared and I announced this, I think, in our year-end recap episode. But our ne- the Squared Co. Squared Co.'s next gallery show is going to be called Cute Couples, and Levi is a participating artist in that. Do you have your couple selected, Levi? I do. I'm doing Jughead and a, just a big ass pile of burgers, and so <laughs> nice. The the That's the truest awesome. love story of all time. I you know there's. I really like the this this um, idea for a gallery show because there's so many ways to interpret what a couple is, mm-hmm. and in like the the notes that I gave all the artists for the show, I wanted to make sure that they knew you know it didn't have to be uh, like a love couple. It could be a dynamic duo. So like you could do Batman and Robin. You could do uh, m- mine is um, a mine is a romantic couple for sure. It is. <laughs> you know. <It> is. <laughs> No, I mine was kind of in protest because my little sister, my my poor impressionable little sister was watching Riverdale and she was talking about how Jughead is with Betty and I, you know, I just can't have that. I'm, you know, literally <laughs> got to educate her. Got to educate her. Literally food and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, so I am um grateful that you're here to do another show with us and i can't wait to see what the finished piece looks like so thank you for that yeah i'm stoked um did you read the archie comics were you an archie guy oh absolutely and actually have you read new archie no it's i bought it out of cringe because (laughs) it was like seven dollars and it's got this i was like what is this chris noland you know version of archie (laughs) it's so good man i mean the art is different but it's actually very true to the humor and the sentiment of the old comics which i was very surprised but yeah i grew up with an archie i mean i think that's it seems common i didn't grow up with with archie i mean i was aware of it but i didn't read the books but Mm -hmm. i have found that from the people that i know who are comic book readers everyone likes uh like you said bone and um and archie do you have a favorite era of archie because it's been around for just so long honestly probably (laughs) just the 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 90s those were the ones that i collected the most they always slipped in old stories but Mm -hmm. you know that yeah I couldn't tell you a lot of the artists or writers or anything because I was just a kid. Right. I've got a big pile of digests, though. So yeah. whatever they were putting out in the 90s was was my Archie. Uh, so we didn't mention this earlier on, but this is actually 
our first interview in 2018. Hey. So it's not the first episode, but you're our first interview. Right. Um, so I'm going to I have to ask this is a stupid question. N- nothing could be the answer. But do you have a resolution for 2018? Mm. We'll, we'll go around the board here. Oh. Jared, get, get something ready. You'll, you can go last. Okay. I'll go after Levi. Or I'll go first. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Something. I misunderstood you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 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 well, I've, I've got people that I'm talking to. I've been putting out shirts a lot lately. Um, yes. But my biggest resolution is to get the characters out there a lot more. Uh, Pufferfish, Bone Daddy, Butt Guy. I've got plans for Butt Guy. But that's that's my biggest more butt guys is the resolution. I hope that that's your resolutions like as well. You know, more yes, <laughs> everyone's. But your second resolution uh, you can do right. Well, yeah. So that now, but more butt guys is uh, my resolution as well. Cool, but cool. on top of that, um, we I think we mentioned this also in a previous uh, episode, but. I am going to go see a movie every single Wednesday Crazy. in 2018. Yes. Wow. Um, I already go to the movies. I pro- I say I'd average one per week, um, but I want to make it like a thing, and I'm going to go every Wednesday. But on top of that, um, I I kind of debated on what I was going to do with this this kind of weekly event. Um, and Jared mentioned that I should do some sort of an illustration to coincide with, with whatever movie I see. Cool. So I think I'm going to do like some sort of an illustration, either an icon or something just bite sized that I can do, you know, within a short amount of time and post it on the day. So that's my resolution. Every Wednesday, go see a movie in the theater. Seeing a movie on Netflix does not count. Seeing Good. a theater movie every Wednesday and have some sort of an illustration to go along with it. You gonna get that movie pass? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I did get it, um, but I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. Gotcha. We'll see. I'll um, update everybody on my love or hate of the movie pass when I get it. <laughs> cool. All right, Jared, your turn. I can't imagine adding something like that to to my schedule, saying I'm gonna do <laughs> anything every Wednesday. Yeah, that just would stress me out. Uh, I think uh, resolutions, eh, I don't know. I always kind of, you know, I think I have some bigger goals and things I want to do in the coming year. But one, I tend more, to not like to say them out loud. Yeah, definitely <laughs> more butt guy. We can all say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I tend to say, okay, I'm going to lose weight so that I can eat like crap for the last two weeks and not feel guilty about it. Um, well, you're you're we'll beautiful, see. Jared. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so other than that, I think we did talk a little bit about this, but I do want to I want to push my art next year. Like that's a resolution for sure is to to push what I'm doing, not change what I'm doing, but push what I'm doing uh, in some way, whether that's some kind of more complex or just different kinds of projects. Um, but I, I want to make sure that I'm not being stagnant and kind of repeating myself over and over again. So um, I, I don't know what that is, though, but we'll see. We'll see. It sounds good. Sounds good to say that. <laughs> it does sound good. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, so that's all I have for today. Um, but before we go, I want to say thank you so much to Levi for spending time with us tonight. Um, it Absolutely. Was, it was really cool getting to know you uh, on a more personal level and hear kind of your backstory. Uh, and like I said, he's going to be part of our Cute Couples show, so stay tuned for that. And I can't wait to see what Jughead on a pile of hamburgers looks like. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there, there's many ways that could go. 
Yeah. But thank you so much for having me, you guys. Oh, absolutely. And keep up the great work. I I look at people like you and when I was your age, and I hate to say that because I sound incredibly old, but <laughs> when I was your age, I was not nearly as focused. Uh, and so for you to be where you are at this very young age, my goodness, I, I can't imagine where you're going to end up. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck and we'll be watching on Instagram for sure. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'll end up on the, the Squared Co podcast, you know. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Aim high. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Yeah. And so for anybody who is not already following Levi, which I can't imagine anybody that is listening to this is not already. um, We are going to leave links to all of his social media and he doesn't have a website. but (laughs) (laughs) New Year's resolution number two. That's right. We'll, we'll leave links to how you guys can get in contact with him and his work uh, in our show notes. Um, but that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you later.